Hey everybody and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. This week, Kiri, Adam, and I sit down with the co-directors of Luther House of Study, Dr. Chris Krogan and Sarah Stenson. We're in the Gospel of Luke for this week's passage, chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. You'll hear us say how uh, this is a difficult passage right from the start of our conversation, which you'll hear in just a moment. This is a parable Jesus is telling his disciples about a manager who squanders a rich man's property. Listen for how desperate the manager is when the rich man confronts him. It's uncomfortable, and there's a lot to unpack here. So without further ado, here's Luke chapter 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that, when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? He answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. Then he asked another, And how much do you owe? He replied, A hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it, when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And now, this week's conversation. And welcome to the podcast this week. We've got both Chris and Sarah here um, with us, and we have a really difficult uh, a passage here. And uh, Adam Keery and I have been have been talking before we started recording that there is a lot going on. So we're going to try to break this into into two sections. The first section is Jesus telling us a parable, and there's a judgment right off the bat uh, with a manager squandering. His property. So, what is going on in the first nine verses? Yeah. So uh, it's important here. You know, when Jesus starts saying there's a rich man, and then there's a manager. So it's two characters right away. And the rich man, you know, is always the lord over a manager. And so we are talking about a lord versus a servant. 
And the manager has been actually uh, being dishonest, that is to say, breaking the law. He's been trying to work apart from the law. Now, interestingly enough, and this is an important piece, and a lot of people, this is where it starts to pinch people, the Lord, which we can now understand is our God, actually doesn't withhold the law. That is to say, doesn't withhold judgment here. So right away, the very first thing that God always does in Christ is, says, yes, you have a problem. And that's a key piece to starting off this text, is there is a problem afoot. Now we get to start to unpack how does Jesus deal with that problem, and he starts it into a, with this parable, how he's going to, how God works with these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so can we, I guess the, the first the first thing we hear is that there was a rich man who had a manager. The charges were brought to him. This man was squandering his property. Can you kind of talk about what it means to, to squander property or how, that seems like the center, not the center, but important to the parable? I think um, kind of dovetailing with what Chris just said, when it said, when this text says the man, so this would be the manager, was squandering the rich man's property, means not using it appropriately, wisely, according to terms of the law. Mm-hmm. Wasting it is another way of putting it, which is why the rich man is upset and rightfully holding up the law mm-hmm. to the, the, the rightful standard of the law to the manager and saying, what is this I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management. In other words, prove yourself here. What's been going on mm-hmm. with your management of my property? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna keep you in employment any longer. You're done because you have not been doing your job well. You've not been acting according to the law appropriately. Mm-hmm. And this is an important thing that you have to recognize. Jesus is actually when he shows up, it is immediately you run into the face of God, and the first thing is account for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that is right away people go, well, Jesus isn't there to judge. But actually, when God shows up right away, you have to think, oh, no, how is he going to see me? Mm-hmm. And that, that's an important piece to recognize what, what the function of Christ showing up in the world is an accounting. And so that's kind of what's going on is the, the Lord has been sent to call an account. That doesn't mean that that accounting is going to have the final word, but it does do that. that what's way. interesting is that the rich man already knows that it's being squandered, but he still asks the question to account account for yourself, mm-hmm. account for yeah. your management. When he he already knows that he's going to fire the manager. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And look at the look at the manager's reaction. He just starts scrambling in the law. He's scared because he says, "What am I going to do now that?" Basically, I've been held to account. My feet are to the fire. So Mm -hmm. now what I mean, so he scrambles and tries to use the law to his benefit. He tries to to benefit himself in the only way he knows how. So he says, I can't dig. I'm not strong enough. I am ashamed to beg. So I have a plan. And then he starts working in the law even further. He starts. So go ahead. Just because I'm just trying to get some clarity on this for myself because yeah. I don't fully understand it yet. Um, so going into that more in verses, um, well, starting in verse five where the manager is asking how much, um, how much these people owe the manager. So what you're saying is that 
he's um well okay so i'll read a little further he answered 100 jugs of olive oil and the manager said to him take your bill sit down quietly and make it 50. so is he he's literally just basically <laughs> forgetting it for like screw, yeah. screwing yeah. his lord yeah. over he's, right yes. like so for been, lack of a better term he's been accused of he's, being bad at the law and then he doubles down so doubles he's basically down. like full throttle like you know, extra bad at the law. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's extremely, that's horrible. That's selfish. How big, and I, but I look why this is just, very, this is interesting. Yeah. yeah look up above though, Kiri, mm -hmm. right just in front of where you started there. So in verse four, I have decided what to do so that when I'm fired, when I'm dismissed as manager, because he knows that's coming, people may welcome me into their home. So he's making a calculation in the law so i heard you say well that's selfish well yeah but we all are because when we're calculating in the law for our own personal benefit he's not doing anything yeah. differently here than any one of us in when you feel the pressure of the law you have that immediate okay how do i make this better for myself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's what he's doing and he says why it's be so people may welcome me into their home so i don't have to be a beggar and i'm too weak to dig I mean, he's telling us right here. Jesus is saying, this is what this guy's thinking, and this is how it works. Is it bad that my mind is unable to get out of, like, the Sioux Falls mentality of, like, oh, if you burn one person, like, everyone in town will hear about it. And oh, so I'm just like, it. where's his rationality That's in your natural, everybody's natural reaction is Kay. what's going to happen to me when yeah. this goes bad. Okay. And how am I going to continue to exist in the way of the world yeah and so, that's that's the function of the law right exactly yeah so this is exactly i mean this is this is exactly adam and eve in the garden once they take a bite of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil and then all of a sudden they realize uh-oh and they start having shame they start having a sense of conscience of self-identity of uh-oh and they go and hide themselves and that's mm -hmm. the function of law when you've been told and you realize i wasn't good at it boom it starts to cave in on you Mm -hmm. So I guess my follow-up question for that then is why in this parable is Jesus commending dishonesty? So the, the, the first section, it pivots at, at verse 8. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted mm -hmm. shrewdly. Mm -hmm. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is going on there? There are a couple of things happening here. One thing I did want to pick up in the Greek, because we hear shrewd as purely negative at least i do mm -hmm. i hear shrewd as you know conniving negative word yeah it's mm -hmm. not yeah. a good word yeah. for us so phronimos is the greek word it actually means wisely or sensibly or shrewd so wise sensible and shrewd now wise and sensible have a little in my mind i hear it differently it's not as negative wise sensible shrewd same mm -hmm. word in the greek mm -hmm. phronimos okay. so he's acted wisely his master commended the dishonest manager because he'd acted wisely sensibly in the law because he's acting for his own benefit remember that's what he said it's so i can benefit for the children of this age are more shrewd same same word wise and sensible phronimos in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light so this is where it really you're right mason used the word pivot this is where this text really starts to pivot and what he's saying is children of this 
age are you are wise and sensible shrewd with the law we are looking for loopholes mm-hmm. and calculating tax code absolutely yep we look <laughs> for the loophole in the tax code and this is actually using the law against the law that is to say a loophole is not breaking the law mm-hmm. a loophole is saying the law doesn't allows me out here and so what happens is you start to a shrewd person actually recognizes that the law does not work, that mm-hmm. there are going to be faults or mm-hmm. gaps. You know, um, Sarah's law degree, she'll tell you the smartest lawyers will tell you that the law finally isn't able to do what it says it does. It mm-hmm. never does what it says it's going to do, which is why we constantly hear, well, we meant well. Mm-hmm. Now we need to pass more legislation. This mm-hmm. is actually what this is getting at with the children of this age are sly or sensible shrewd with the law you recognize the function of the law and the futility of the law ultimately which is where we get into this pivot to the children of light children of light recognize finally the law collapses in on itself it is futile it doesn't work the way we think it's going to work ultimately i guess that and then the question is what can you just put into words what it, what we think the law will do? We th- yep, we think the law is going to make our lives better. And when it comes to God, we think the law is actually going to improve our relationship with God. And even preserve we, our lives. Absolutely. Yep. We think um, when we wear the seatbelt, that means we won't die in a car accident. Mm-hmm. We think if we drink the right amount of coffee or don't, or if we eat a certain, you know, eat bacon, don't eat bacon, eat eggs, don't, whatever it is, mm-hmm. we're constantly looking to benefit ourselves and we think we're actually going to stave off death itself mm-hmm. by following the law. Of mm-hmm. course, you poke on that not very long and we all realize, well, actually, no, that doesn't work. Right. Death actually comes to everyone, regardless. Of George Burns smoked a cigar until yeah. he was ninety-five and, and never got the drank lung a lot. cancer. Yep. And, you know, <laughs> like, what, what the, heck? the law didn't work there. Yeah, the epitome of health. Yeah, exactly. So, so. You, know, you always not to not to go. You always hear about the stories about the the people who live a hundred years, and they always ask them, "What was your secret?" And it's like, well, I just drank a bottle of Coke every day. How does this happen? Well, you see, this is the shrewdness then, but yeah. then what happens is the pivot here on this is the children of light. It's not that they've all of a sudden given up on the law, but what happened is the children of light realized that their righteousness is not in the law, mm-hmm. but it's in a promise from Christ. And that's what the light is then. The light of the world is that Christ is your um, identity. As opposed, because people that are in the world, they still are working with the law as their identity. They're still going to try to figure out how. But people that are of the light realize the law is not their identity. This is exactly what Paul's saying. Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed. There's the light. It's not in the law that you're going to find um, health or salvation or security or peace or a mm-hmm. better space, but the children of light are going, no, Christ. I rest in Christ and I rest in his peace. And so that's children of light recognize the law finally doesn't work, but it actually does its proper work, which is to kill us. And then Christ comes in and gives us life mm-hmm. as opposed to the law preserving our life. 
I guess the question that kind of comes up then is, is Christ then shrewd with the law or is he a a way to be shrewd with the law? Like, why does the manager commend the dishonest manager? Because the dishonest manager is not thinking that the law is his righteous guide. That he actually uses the law against the law, which is exactly what is going to happen. That the law will not finally be something I can chase after and get better at. Instead, I actually recognize it too fails. Mm -hmm. There's the wisdom of the world that the children of light also will be do well with if they recognize the law is not their righteousness, that the law is not going to be their identity. This is an interesting text because I can see I can see how people would, will take this way too literally. Um, and then kind of, Sarah, what you've said um, in the past, like take it out of context, almost dive too far into it in the sense of like, I mean, literally making it your life like, oh, I'm a manager, I can work around the law, da 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 And take that rather than take what you were just saying, Krogan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right, Kira. I think with all, most if not all of Jesus' parables, which is what this is, people have the tendency to go too deep into the text to find out, okay, which one am I? And what is Jesus telling me to do? Mm-hmm. And you go so deep into it that you start to get lost in the parable in terms of symbolism. You get kind of lost in the weeds, especially in one like this, which hits us like, what? Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of weeds. There are a lot of weeds in this one, <laughs> yes. Um, but I think it helps stop that tendency. You're talking about Curie. If we now move to the second part, if you're ready, but yeah, Jesus please. pulls it back a little bit himself in verses 10 through 13, and he actually helps us recognize this is what he's getting at with how this parable functions on us, not in a figure out which one you are and how we're supposed to mm-hmm. live. And are we? What is? What does he mean? You're supposed to be? Are we supposed to be shrewd or are we not? Is this good or bad? He pulls it back in verses 10 through 13, and actually even in 14 and 15 we can talk about a little too. Um, and he's what he's getting at in verses 10 through 13 is basically our hearts and idolatry. We can talk about that a little bit more too. Mm-hmm. You want to pick that up, Chris? Sure. You know, so Jesus starts saying, whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much. And if you think about that logically... You know, the, the key there is that um, you actually don't have a little bit of faith. You either have faith or you don't. And you don't have a little bit of dishonesty. You're not just kind of dishonest. If you're dishonest, you're... And so Luther does a good job of... Uh, he has a little quote where, If you sin, your heart is fully into it. You Your whole heart goes into that sin. You never have partially mm-hmm. a heart. So if you love somebody, your heart's there. If you don't love them, your heart's elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what Jesus is getting at. So to be faithful then, that is to say, have faith in God. Mm-hmm. You don't have faith in anything else. But if you don't have faith in God, you trust something else, then you trust in that thing. And this is how mm-hmm. Jesus is going to start to get at this, which which is 
you will eventually get God. You cannot serve God and wealth. So that's exactly what Jesus is. This is at the end of 13. You cannot serve God and wealth. You can't have two masters, which is why even Jesus says you are a slave. Now, how is it you're a slave? Because you don't decide what you love. Mm -hmm. Your heart pulls you along. Mm -hmm. And none of you have decided to love somebody. You fell in love. Mm -hmm. You don't sit down in love. See, that's a decision. You sit down. But you call, you call, I fell head over heels. You are out of control when you're in love. And so your heart gets, we call it the heartstrings. They pulled on my heartstrings. Well, you didn't say, here, pull on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just yanked on your heartstring and you started to cry at the movie or whatever. And so, so but this is the under, this is key or, to understand what a heart is. Yeah. And manipulate the heart. But this is key to understand is that you are a slave to what your heart ends up loving. Mm-hmm. And so it's not even that you get to a choice about being a slave. So this is why Jesus is now saying, he's not giving you a prescription of you need to go sell everything and then dedicate your life to God. He's just saying, you're either going to have faith in God, which is then full faith, mm-hmm. or you're going to be dishonest and have faith in idols in this particular one, wealth. And you don't get a choice. You're going to be really chasing the dollar and having your whole life on your job you are what you do and I get to drive the nice car and I'm so looking forward to retirement and you know getting the boat blah 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 but again the key here is slave you he's 13 is critical no slave can serve two masters Mm -hmm. the slave does not choose his or her master by definition the slave does not have a choice in that at all nor do we Mm -hmm. in where our hearts are we don't control whether or not we have faith or in what we have faith or in whom we have faith. Going even a little further than the you don't um, sit down in love. You also don't choose to have faith in Christ. You are given faith in Christ, and as Apostle Paul puts it, faith comes through hearing. So you're given faith, you receive faith when you hear Christ's promise which is like this it's actually two words you are a sinner an idolater you love wealth in this case Mm -hmm. forgiven jesus christ forgives you all your sin period when you hear that word and the holy spirit functions to give you faith now actually you're not a slave to wealth god actually has you where he wants you he has your heart and it your heart actually is have has faith in god Mm-hmm. and his promise is that why even though i mean it's extreme and controversial is that why they use this verbiage in here to bring that point fully home as in terms of slave and master yes absolutely okay. yeah yes. so you don't want to you don't want to tamp that down for some reason that you want to say well we don't want to talk about the slaves because we know that that's been a bad history you know right. you want to actually use that this text is intentionally offensive to your ears yeah because the only way you come into be playing a shrewd game of the children of light is to have the law finally do its proper work on you, which says, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. If you sit there and you get to the point of yeah. saying, I can't actually stop worshiping wealth, boom. Jesus has you exactly where you, he wants you because he can say, right, you are squandering my my." law mm-hmm. and you are doing the unrighteous thing according to the law which then you say okay god well then what do you want of me if i can't do it exactly he says i got you exactly where i want you and now you need my mercy don't you yeah bingo 
Now there's the shrewdness. And so the shrewdness for the children of light is to recognize the law is not their identity, but the promise of Christ is what they cling to. So that's why you, if you're shrewd as a child of light, that is the shrewdness is saying, I'm not the law anymore. Mm-hmm. And the law is not my guide. And it's not what ticks in my head. Christ, you need to put your promise back into my head. And here's the irony, actually, um, in that being a children of light, you actually are freed from the law, finally. The law is not in your conscience. Jesus Christ is in your conscience. And the irony is you're not worried in that moment about storing up your possessions or hoarding or am I going to have enough or calculating in the law. You actually pour yourself out for the neighbor. Mm -hmm. You actually do see a neighbor in need and give them what they need. You're not calculating anymore. Because you're a slave to Christ, you're not a slave to the law at that point, to your idolatries. So we know that we're gonna break the we're gonna break the law. We're not gonna follow the law, but that's no longer what we're thinking about because we're like I'm helping my neighbor. I'm free to do that and know that Christ will do with it what he wants. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And, and if you ever, if you're feeling the pinch, if you're worried about how this text is going to make your life better or worse, that's the pinch right there. But if you hear this text and saying, Christ alone is going to deal with me and be my righteousness, then that's the full children of light. Now, so all of us are going to sit there and say, boy, this is, this is a tough text, which is exactly what we want. Boy, I, I ch- this text challenges me in ways that are just really hard to get my head around. Mm-hmm. That's actually because of the pinch of the text. And so this is why in the end, you know, you got you to gotta be at that hearing. And so um, verses 14 and 15 uh, that aren't included in the lectionary here right. are but helpful. Actually, they are helpful, I think, to help get at this heart thing. So here's 14 and 15. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. But God knows your hearts. So by the way, um, you are those who justify yourselves before men. What Jesus is saying there is you also cannot take this parable, this text, Luke 16, 1-13, and turn it into a all rich people are bad, poverty is good. Mm-hmm. That's every bit, it's the same coin different side mm-hmm. um, in trying to justify mm-hmm. yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. Mm-hmm. And what he knows about our hearts is we are all idolaters. Mm-hmm. Money, mammon, mm-hmm. as Luther says, stuff, possessions, happens to be the biggie. Mm-hmm. It is. It was in Luther's time. It was in Jesus' time, and it is now. That's yeah. a, that's a, that's a scary word, or that's a scary word to hear, actually. Though, but, but God knows your heart, right? And we not to go back that far, but you see how it operates when God, or when the rich man, puts that mirror up and says, "I know that you've been doing this." Yes. And he's just frantic. Uh, he finally, because he he knows his heart, but he doesn't know that this other person does, but. This text is saying, God knows your heart. You're exposed. Mm-hmm. He knows yeah. everything. You have nowhere to hide. Yeah. Yeah. And it's even Absolutely. like, you, you can take a step back from this and be like, okay, like, I, like I'm like i not worried about like my job being my identity, or I can like not worry about my retirement, but like my heart, like I can step back and I can't even like make that choice to be like, ah, like I'm fully, like my faith is full now. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. like this said, like you can't have yeah. like full... 
uh-uh. like it's either all in or all out because like in the back of my mind i'm like oh i still need to fund my retirement or uh-huh. like i still need a job like I... this is precisely why then god actually gave you a commandment of remember the sabbath and keep it holy and luther does a nice little twist on how is it that we keep the sabbath holy hear god's word mm-hmm. and what is god's word free at this point in time he actually wants to now steal your heart back with his word and say, Christ forgives you all your sin and raises you from the dead, mm-hmm. which is going to now make you faithful in much. Now, what does it mean to be faithful in much? It's not that you have duty here, that you started serving God more. No, no. Your heart was put in the right place. Mm-hmm. Why? How was it done? Because Christ said, and when he speaks, it happens. When he actually starts to become the thing that's in your ear, no longer is the law and you're not chasing your identity in my job or in my spouse or in my goods or in my honor but you are actually chasing your identity is now leveraged in christ's promise of you are my child you are my sheep i Mm -hmm. love you i won't let you go there are many rooms in the father house i've made one for you and you just live in peace Right. Yeah, there's that an, was well said. Yeah, good. <laughs> wow, <laughs> like thank you. you. Sounds so surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I am, <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> Chris, good job. We're getting places. <laughs> After years. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I can't, I can't say that we can summarize that any better. Like that, you cannot serve God and wealth. But when the it's in your ear, when Jesus, the promise is in your ear, that's when peace comes yep. and what... it's peace because you don't control what's in your ear that is actually truly yeah. peace yeah. you're not, not in control of I'm, any of it you don't have to self preserve what's in your ear exactly or you, don't have to you don't try to make manipulate to get it yeah. you're actually finally at peace you're not mm-hmm. sitting down in faith you're falling into it yeah. Yeah. it's like you're falling into the hole yes. you're being done yeah. Jesus is whispering sweet nothings in your ear and off mm-hmm. you go which by the way when you have this promise this text as all parables um, all parables will finally not be heard as threat which mm-hmm. is our initial reaction mm-hmm. which is why we were saying so oh, this is really good actually hear it as promise so you'll hear a line like but God knows your hearts and you'll think Thanks be to God, because I know I have a God who is mercy giver, who loves me Mm -hmm. and gave me his promise, gives me his promise that Jesus Christ has a final word over me. So you hear this actually as promise, not as threat. Chasing down my heart. Yep. Mm -hmm. He wants me. Well, thank Thank you you. for for like actually giving that promise. And I think that is a great way to end it with the actual giving of the promise. So thanks for being here. Thank you guys. And with that, we want to say how thankful we are that Jesus does chase down our hearts. We want to give a big thank you to all of you for listening to this week's conversation. And a big thank you to Chris and Sarah for joining us. If you want to find out more about Luther House of Study, you can find them at lutherhouseofstudy.org. That's lutherhouseofstudy.org. We hope to catch you next week. This is Scripture First.